0: Hello everybody and a warm welcome to the Rethinking Cyber podcast with me, Rebecca McLaughlin-Easton. Today we're delving into timely topics such as the fourth industrial revolution, preparing for quantum cyber threats, and increasingly sophisticated cybercrime to name but a few. To help me steer the important conversation, is one of the world's most respected futurists, scientists, and theoretical physicists. He is, of course, Professor Michio Kaku. He is the co-founder of String Field Theory, which points to there being a multiverse of universes, Dr. Kaku is also a professor at the City University of New York, as well as being a five times New York Times bestselling author. He also just happens to have around 5 million fans on Facebook. Dr. Kaku says that his goal in life is twofold. Firstly, to predict the trends in science that will really determine our future. And secondly, to help complete Einstein's fabled dream of a theory of everything, to unite all the forces of the universe. And I'm delighted to say the professor joins me now from the Middle East. uh, Professor Kaku, it's an honour to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Professor, for those of our viewers who may be unfamiliar with quantum computing, can you please provide us with a, a brief overview of exactly what it is in layman's terms? What do quantum computers do and what does it mean for the future of computing? Indeed, what opportunities are associated with them?
1: Well, when you look around and you see all the wealth that surrounds us, you realize that much of that wealth comes from Moore's Law. Moore's Law says that computer power doubles every 18 months, and that in turn has given us all the wondrous devices like lasers and, and the internet and satellite telecommunications, the ability to compute with increasing capabilities, but eventually that'll come to a halt. All things must pass. In other words, at some point, Silicon Valley could become a rust belt. Now realize that we compute on atoms. Today, a chip may have several billion uh, transistors on it, and transistors are getting so small now, they could be about roughly five atoms across at minimum. At that point, when a transistor becomes roughly five atoms across, you don't know where the electron is anymore, And you get a short circuit. By the laws of quantum mechanics, the electron leaks out, heat is generated, the transistor melts, and everything comes to a halt, meaning that we are now witnessing the end of Moore's Law. Silicon Valley could become a rust belt. Well, if the smallest transistor is approaching five atoms across, then why not make atomic computers, atomic transistors? In other words, quantum computers. And that's what this new revolution is all about. We're talking about something that will revolutionize the entire industry. Everything you think you know about computation will be turned upside down and backwards by the arrival of the quantum computer. Now, we know that atoms compute on transistors that could either be up or down on or off. That's the basis of our technology today. However, quantum computers can be based on atoms. Atoms that can spin up, spin down or spin sideways and every other angle in between. So in other words, that vastly increases the computational states over which you can make computations. That vastly increases the power Of a quantum computer. Also, if I have many of these states, they are independent of each other. However, in a quantum computer, they are correlated. There's something called entanglement. So that if this is one configuration, then I know that someplace in the quantum computer, there's another configuration that is connected to the first configuration. That's called entanglement, which exponentially increases the power of your computer. So if you have n states in a quantum computer, the number of states that rise as you add more states is e to the n, it grows exponentially with the number of states. And so in other words, quantum computers are vastly more powerful than ordinary computers, which will change everything.
0: A new world is dawning, as you rightly say. Therefore, I suppose the question is, are we ready for it?
1: The answer is no. We're not prepared for it because our brains basically think digitally. We think of states being off or on, but quantum mechanics requires a new way of thinking. We have to think in terms of multiple universes. And this now gives us in the philosophy of quantum computers. Common sense says that the world is one. Objective reality is a theory that says that an object exists in one state at one time. Not two states, not three states. One object exists in one state at one time. But quantum mechanics throws that out the window. Quantum mechanics even says that cats can be dead and alive simultaneously. Think about that. This means that the universe that we know of is replaced by a multiverse. A multiverse of parallel universes i mean think about that for a moment parallel universes and that's the power of the quantum computer why is it that the quantum computer can compute with two states or more at the same time and the reason is the universe has split in half this is the stuff of science fiction this is the stuff of the multiverse but it's also going to be in your backyard once we perfect quantum computers. And when will that be? Well, nobody knows for sure, but we are thinking on the scale of decades. It's not gonna happen tomorrow, it's not gonna happen immediately, but when it happens, it's gonna change everything.
0: We've touched upon the upsides and the opportunities, but what are the potential challenges and the downsides to quantum computing, not least within the criminal world, let's say, the world of hacking into personal and corporate data systems, even regarding the financial markets too. Surely they're exposed.
1: Well, I think you have hit the nail on the head. Think of what criminals can do today, even without quantum computers. Um, criminals can exploit all sorts of weaknesses within the infrastructure of the computer world. With quantum computers, it vastly increases the power of, com- of criminals to be able to penetrate into the deepest secrets of corporations, Wall Street. I mean, think about it for a moment. All the codes, all the codes that we use to create trapdoors to protect our, our, um, our, our secrets can in principle be broken into using a quantum computer. And so, believe it or not, the NIST, a branch of the government, has issued guidelines as to what to do to protect your secrets. One simple thing to do is simply increase the complexity of your code. Well, that's a short-term measure, because eventually quantum computers will be powerful enough to overcome that. Number two, the other possibilities to create more complex trapdoor functions. This requires higher mathematics. So mathematicians, top mathematicians are being recruited to create more and more sophisticated trapdoor functions, which will then hopefully um, put the criminals at bay. Third, there's another possibility of using quantum mechanics to defeat quantum mechanics. That is a internet based on the quantum principle. An internet made out of laser beams. Now the internet today, of course, is based on electrons in a a wire or in a fiber optic cable. But what about having laser beams conduct the internet? You see, laser beams are based on light beams that are polarized. They're polarized in one direction, okay? If somebody tampers with an internet based on laser beams, it alters the polarization of the light beam, which can be measured. Once you know that somebody is altering the polarization of your signal, aha, you know someone is trying to break into your code. And so the military is saying that maybe we need two internets, one internet for the average guy that has to deal with criminals, but the other internet based on laser beams that is basically impossible to crack, even using a quantum computer.
0: Two internets, the future in prospect. Indeed, it's absolutely fascinating. Let's delve a little deeper into which sectors, industries and areas of people's everyday lives will really be affected or positively impacted by quantum computing. We know about medicine, biological research, and of course, finance. But what are the lesser known, lesser explored areas? Well,
1: I personally think that one day quantum computers may give us some form of immortality, and also some form of artificial intelligence. Because some people are saying that the two big revolutions in computation are first of all, artificial intelligence, we're having robots, we're having software programs that can do more and more intelligent tasks, but they're limited. They're limited by the number crunching ability of these objects. That puts a ceiling on what artificial intelligence can do quantum computers can remove that ceiling. It could vastly increase the amount of computational space you have. So some people think that in the future, we'll still talk on our cell phones, we'll still digitally upload information into the cloud, but the cloud will be all quantum, quantum with artificial intelligence. So in other words, the cloud will consist of gigantic quantum computers that use artificial intelligence algorithms and quantum mechanical computational ability to perform these magical feats of computation. So some people think that's what the future is gonna look like. We'll still talk on our cell phones, we'll still gab away on, on video cameras and what have you, but the cloud will be quantum.
0: Professor, tell me a bit more about the link between quantum physics and the possible existence of a multiverse, indeed the foundation for your string field theory.
1: Well, in quantum mechanics, the electron is not in one particular state. The electron is a wave, it's a cloud. It can exist in many states simultaneously. Remember in high school, when we learned about the atom, we learned about what are called orbitals, these little funny footballs that surrounded the nucleus. Well, they didn't tell you this because it would freak you out. It would freak out all the high school kids that learned about this. But that cloud, that cloud that you learned about, the orbitals you learned about in high school chemistry is the electron being in multiple states at the same time. You were talking about the multiverse being explained to high school kids without using the word multiverse. It means that you could be dead and alive simultaneously. Cats can be alive in one universe. The same cat could be dead in another universe. It means that people who are dead in our universe could be alive, could be alive in a parallel universe. And then of course, at conferences, people come up to me and they say, Professor, does this mean that Elvis Presley is still alive in another parallel universe? Well, according to quantum mechanics, yes. There is a probability That even unlikely things that happen in our universe could be happening in another universe. Now this sounds very academic until you realize you can now compute, compute over all these parallel universes and that's what gives the power to quantum computers. Now we never see this because we're big objects. What we see is common sense, but that common sense is an average an average over all these billions of parallel universes, and we're blissfully unaware of the fact that we're surrounded by these other parallel universes. And so, in other words, common sense is incorrect. What you think of as common sense is wrong. Sorry about that.
0: Common sense, as we know it, is redundant, you tell us. And Elvis may have left the building, but he's just stepped into another part of the multiverse. It's more than a little intriguing, uh, which leads me to my next question, because this information that we're hearing today may take people a little time to disseminate. Um, It challenges the status quo that we've known for so long. So my question is, how should the world, the public at large, people in general, best prepare for the future of cyberspace, friend or foe? What kind of approach is needed and who are the key actors involved?
1: Well, I think we have to, of course, teach the public the fact that we're about to witness yet another leap in computer power. You see, the public was not uh, prepared for the leap from vacuum tube technology to transistors, and then transistors to, to circuit boards and, and the complexity of today. And That's why we have so many conspiracy theorists uh, who think that aliens from outer space They're the ones who invented the computer. They invented the internet. That's why all of a sudden, boom, we had the internet age. Nope, it was hard work. And so we have to teach the public that there's plenty of opportunity for innovation, plenty of opportunity to learn, to create, but it means you have to expand your imagination. And that means that we have to throw out a lot of prejudices about what we think of as common sense.
0: Lastly, as we wrap up our conversation, what one parting thought would you like to leave our our listeners and our viewers with today? And for the bold, brave and keen investors out there, is there a case for putting smart money into this sector now or is it too soon?
1: Well, first of all, if you are an investor and you're looking for the next big thing to invest in, right now is about the time time to think seriously about investing in this technology. Maybe a little early still, we have yet to create a quantum program that has immediate practical application. That is, even though these quantum computers are millions of times faster than ordinary computers, they can solve problems that are not very practical. That is, you can't make money on them yet. And so if you're an investor, I think what you do is watch the developments very carefully. Because at a certain point, I don't know when, but at a certain point we will be solving practical problems with these quantum computers. And then if you wait too long, you'll be left in the dust and everyone else will be reaping tremendous benefits from this technology. And if you're just a member of the public, then you may want to seriously start to think about philosophy, about the fact that yes, the multiverse idea, which of course has taken over Marvel comics and the movies, Uh, everything in the movies seems to be the multiverse these days, uh, that there's a new philosophy coming out from physics. And that new philosophy is beginning to create all sorts of imaginative schemes in the movies anyway, and you have to get used to it, and perhaps be part of it, and perhaps think about contributing to this great universe of ours that could create a multiverse.
0: Professor, I've loved talking to you, but unfortunately we have been beaten by the clock. Thank you again so much for spending time with me today. And for those who have tuned into our podcast, who want to find out more about your online lectures, your your books and your published papers, where should they head to?
1: Well, you can get a copy of my latest book, The God Equation, The Quest for a Theory of Everything, because all of this comes out of an equation. And some people think that out of the equation comes the Big Bang and the creation of the universe. So we're not just thinking about problems to increase your your profit margin in your company with a quantum computer. We're talking about a computer that would solve the mystery of creation itself. The mystery of why we're here. The mystery of why we have this gorgeous universe of ours. In other words, a theory of everything.
0: Professor, it's been wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your insights and your time.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Our thanks again to Professor Kaku for joining us for this episode of the Rethinking Cyber podcast. And thank you also to our listeners and our viewers right around the world. To find more episodes and interviews of this kind, just head to Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you would normally access your podcasts from. I'll see you again next time. Until then, take care and goodbye.